Welcome to the Buddies Podcast, Episode 5. It's been one month since we started our podcast, so congratulations. We've done this for a month, and I hope you guys are enjoying this as much as I am and as much as our listeners are. Last podcast actually went uh, blew my expectations. It started off really slow, and throughout the week, uh, we got a lot of support, and we are by the time you guys are listening to this, we'll probably have 5,000 listens on that episode. So that was very surprising for me. That's something that I thought would take a long time to get, especially doing our research when we were looking at other podcasts. They typically started off strong and then they dwindled down, but we've consistently grown our podcast week over week. So that's pretty impressive and I'm, I'm very excited about that. And I think that just, just speaks to our audience and how much they're enjoying it as well. Very thankful for the listeners out there. Without them, you know, we wouldn't be where we're at right now and didn't expect this kind of support. So, you know, shout out to all you guys. Yeah, all all across Canada, all across the States, Australia as well, India all over the place. Really, really big support from all over. So it's it's good to see that. Even like the UAE, man. UAE, we got some uh, Portuguese listeners, uh, Spanish. I never expected Portugal to be on board, man, but happy to have them. Yeah, it's crazy seeing the support isn't just uh, concentrated in certain areas. Like, obviously, we have uh, a lot of listeners in Toronto, in the U.S. But uh, looking uh, at the numbers, like we have uh, we have a huge amount of support from uh, Ludhiana specifically. So shout out to all those uh, Ludhiana. Thank you. Bye, support. And other than that, I think I think there was like some random person from uh, Japan and uh, whatnot. Like, we don't know how SoundCloud gets these numbers, but uh, it's pretty surprising to see that even if it isn't a listener or anything, somebody in some in, in the other corner of the world came across the podcast at least. All right. So if you guys follow the the Sing Strength page and the Bites page, you guys will know that I received my bike this week. So very excited to receive it. And really good bike. I've went on two rides so far. So I've really enjoyed it. And it feels like you're flying. I haven't really ridden a bike since I was like a little kid. And just going that fast down a street, it's just like something that it it's a different kind of experience for someone who just like usually stays in the gym and works out. This is like something that I'm really enjoying and really getting into. And we have a ride coming up this weekend as well. So we'll be going on an adventure. We're going to be trying to do some kind of vlog as well. So that will be coming out on YouTube. So uh, have a look at that when that comes out as well. So that's something that I'm really excited about this summer is just getting out biking and exploring what's around me because there's a lot of places in my city that I haven't even been to in my town that I haven't been been to and this is going to give us an opportunity to explore those little like gems inside of our city even just like bikes in general like before this whole crisis happened I never realized why bikes were so expensive I think in the first or second podcast even I said yeah the most I'd spend on a bike is 250 and just not understanding why they're so expensive but like kind of like looking into more bikes I understand it now you know like why there's some bikes for three, four, five, six thousand, ten thousand dollars. Like if you see some of these trails that these guys go down, it's just crazy. And you know, just having like a five thousand dollar bike for those kind of guys is really justified. And I was watching a lot of mountain bike uh, racing videos today. If you guys want to check those out, those are really exciting. So mountain biking is really, really extreme sport. You bought a new new bike this week as well, right? Yeah, I got a new one. Uh, the only yeah, my parents had a lot of Canadian tire points built up, you know, so got a nice one from Sport Check, uh, the GT Aggressor Sport, I think it is. Solid bike, you know, just pumped for that to come in. I was surprised that they even had one. It didn't have a floor model. They had one in the box that like, it's gonna take two weeks to make. I'm like, you know, whatever, it's all right. But just pumped for that to come in, just be flying down the roads, man, just flying. You better be flying if you're riding Aggressor. The Buzz Bike Club. That's the other thing. We've got so many people sending us in videos of them riding their bikes out, out and about. So tag us in your post, the Buzz Bike Club. Uh, we'll post it on our Instagram. So just keep them coming. And just seeing people be active during this time, man. That's like the best part of it all. Yeah, you got to make the best of it. It's here for a good time, not a long time, man. So uh, did you guys hear about a Carol Baskin actually taking over Joe Exotic Zoo? That's messed up, man. It's actually crazy that uh, apparently she spent more money on the case. It was like a $1 million lawsuit against uh, Joe Exotic. For You remember all that uh, for the name and the trademark copyright and whatnot, but apparently she spent way more to get that back. And uh, they didn't expect them to get the zoo. They, the, you know the other guy, the gangster guy? Low. I, th- I think he just, he just thought that they're going to take the name and that's it. But uh, yeah, he got kicked out of the that plot. They watch her come after the Buzz podcast and she's trying to take our name and everything. But 
that never saw Kirill Baskin coming out on top of that, but it's a like one one thing you gotta say about Joe Exotic, like no matter what he did, like right? Like he 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 didn't want to give in to Carol Baskin one bit. I I don't get what the difference between Carol Baskin and Joe Exotic honestly is. No, like, there is her no sanctuary. Yeah, none. her sanctuary is like the exact same. Like she's not even paying her people. They're like volunteers for like six months. She's actually using using them. Like in her facility, like Joe Exotic pointed out, like her facility is much worse for the animals than his facilities were. The only real difference is that people don't get to touch the animals where they do in Joe Exotic's uh, whatever park he had. The, the big other big difference is she wasn't breeding animals. Like Joe Exotic had those like baby yeah. th- baby tigers and her yeah. tigers weren't like bred. They were like, they were older tigers. But she's not making was, a shitload of money. Because of though. that, she probably didn't kill any either. Well, yeah. Well, that's where like the tigers kind of went to die. It's like a sanctuary, right? And she had like tombstones and all that for them. So she comes off much more ethical than Joe Exotic, but her and uh, Joe Exotic, another Don guy, that guy's a wild character, like three, four wives. They're, they're all the same person, man. Same thing. B- Bagawan. Ba- oh, he had, oh my, I forgot. That guy had like a, like a next name. I think one of his, like his Vidya Guru or whatever was like a, like a Hindu Baba. Oh man, that, that whole series was crazy. Like it just kept getting crazy and crazy. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I also think what's pretty crazy is like we would never uh, never have found out about the whole tiger situation unless like Netflix made this documentary. Like there might be so much other shit happening in the US, which is like we just don't know about as well. Yeah. And it, it came out at the perfect time too, right? Like if it didn't come out at the beginning of the pandemic, I don't know if a lot yeah. of us would have watched it. I don't think the directors even knew how crazy it was going to get because at times you can't see the director's face and he's just so tired of it all. Like, it just keeps getting crazier and crazier and crazier. Like, man, like, I feel bad for that director, even though he probably made a shitload of money off of this. But still, man, I, I couldn't I couldn't manage keeping up with Carol Baskin, Joe Exotic, his two husbands, and the other Bhagavan guy from whatever he was, man. Donna Pagwana. When we were driving back from uh, BC, I remember, the, I remember there were some billboards. Like, it was a... If you want to see l- l- grizzly bears or something, I forget if there was a tiger one or anything, but there was a wildcats one, yeah. I think, and bears. But I remember we didn't really, we were thinking that like, yo, what is this? Why is this in the middle of like Rabaditunni, like mm-hmm. in the middle of nowhere? But we, we didn't stop or anything. There was a good few kilometers out and we had, we had a deadline to kind of meet as well. So, but it, we never gave it much thought then. No. But like years later, after when I was watching the documentary, I was thinking like, like, <laughs> Yeah, and it's like surprising how expensive it is. That was like the one thing that came out of the documentary. I was like, it's like two hundred bucks a day, or like a hundred dollar, hundred and eighty dollars. It's like a hundred and eighty dollars a day just to like go see the sanctuary or go see Joe Exotic's place. It's like it's a ridiculously expensive thing to do. But you're getting the full package, right? You get to play with these cubs. You get to do all kinds of things. Not that I agree with any of this. I'm hundred percent against all of this. But like you saw people there, like I'd be willing to pay every single day to come here, right? Just like that feeling of being able to feel and touch exotic animals that you wouldn't have the opportunity to do otherwise. <laughs> a lot of people come pay to see you, eh? It's a lineup. <laughs> yeah, this is a podcast, man. <laughs> he just looks himself in the mirror like, I'm a big, strong lion roarer. Carol Baskin might have won that uh, the land and whatnot, but apparently she didn't get control of the tigers. Oh. The Jeff Lowe guy, he's, make, he's making uh, another zoo. And so he's going to take all his tigers yeah. and whatnot there. That guy was like a funny character. Like he, he's like a 50 year old something looking like Eminem. And he talks like yeah. the whitest guy ever. Like, man, that, the funniest guy. Like, Pura Dawn. Never understood at the that end guy. of the documentary, I think. Wasn't it they're saying that they're making this whole new sanctuary with that other guy? And then he, he just quit after it because he's like, yo, this guy's yeah. stupid. Yeah. This guy's weird as hell. And the fact that all this happened during the recording of the documentary. Yeah. Imagine what else happened. Did you guys hear about the SpaceX uh, launch last week? So SpaceX, led by what's it called? I think Elon Musk led it. And he did the first launch. I think it's been 10 years since they did it from uh, the USA. They they were going to do it before on, like, I think, last Wednesday or something. Because of bad weather, they moved it to last Saturday. And uh, it's crazy. In 10 years, no one flew from uh, the US. Instead, their astronauts, NASA astronauts, used to go to Russia and pay them like i think it was like millions of dollars to send their uh, astronauts up to space right and uh, it got the thing got canceled though because of the weather thing the first time like had they even waited 10 minutes they could have launched it but because the stuff is so specific all the numbers and weather and whatnot that it was better to kind of just uh, delay it as well also because like you know when they go up in space if they 
ਕੀ ਹੁੰਦਾ ਹੈ ਉਹਨੂੰ ਕੀ ਆਂਦੇ ਆ ਜਦੋਂ ਨਾ 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 ਉਹ ਹੁੰਦਾ ਜਦੋਂ ਇਫ 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 देयर वाज ਲਾਈਕ ਅ ਮੈਲਫੰਕਸ਼ਨ ਆਰ ਸਮਥਿੰਗ ਰਾਈਟ ਦੈਨ ਦ ਨਿਊ ਸਪੇਸਸ਼ਿਪ ਦਾ ਸਪੇਸਐਕਸ ਮੇਡ ਇਟ ਕੈਨ ਦ ਟੌਪ ਕੈਨ ਬ੍ਰੇਕ ਆਫ ਸੋ ਦ ਐਸਟਰੋਨਾਟਸ they can fall back down to earth right there's like parachutes in there as well i think that's uh, the uh, thing where like the ship the top part breaks off from the rest of the spaceship it's been a part of since like the polo missions no i don't know i think they did something different like where that has some rockets in there or some sort of thing in there as well so that's that's going to come fall back and land in the ocean so if the weather in the ocean is also bad they can't do the launch either because it's going to be a hard time finding them Do you guys watch uh, Space Force? It just came out on Netflix and it's like it's really funny because that that reminded me of Space Force. I really enjoyed it. It was like it's a 10 10 uh, episode season. It's a really funny show. I was thinking watching. It looks really funny, but I didn't get the time to watch it yet. Yeah, I thought it was going to be a movie, but it actually ended up being an episode. But uh, in terms of the SpaceX thing, I think the most surprising thing to me was that was that was the first commercial aircraft in space. Right normally we had NASA then you had Russia with their own government agencies launching aircrafts doing their missions all the exploration but this is like the first commercial this is the first commercial aircraft I think that's a really big deal I think that people are looking over that's definitely huge like a private company doing it cuz like before that it's been China Russia and America the three countries that have launched something into space so or launched people into space so that's really big for SpaceX and I think that private companies like getting into this is like really big because we've seen with like NASA there's like so much uh, wasted money and so much wasted stuff that goes on whereas yeah. like private companies they can really cut those inefficiencies out and get the same result this also nurtures a lot of uh, innovation in the industry like first of all NASA can solely focus on just uh, just like the space exploration what experiments they're going to do what kind of like right now i think the reason for that last uh, a uh, mission is was to study like pharmaceuticals and other things that you can do in uh, like non gravity spaces right and uh, nasa can and their scientists can focus on that stuff and then these other companies these uh, like private firms like uh, spacex elon musk they can focus on basically just shuttling people back kind of like a, like a taxi service shuttling people back and forth and uh, like their shuttles i think they're reusable the rockets i mean mm-hmm. like once they go so far then they fall back and they land on a platform like out in uh, out in the ocean somewhere and apparently that's like as hard as they say it's like dropping a pencil from the top of an empire state building yeah. and it lands on its pitchiki uh, on the other eraser eraser yeah the yeah, eraser yeah. on top of like a little s- sticky pad yeah. somewhere so like it's pretty crazy to do and private companies can put in the time the effort and uh, put in the work to get that done right make like innovate i think that another thing that comes out of this like looking at elon musk like this is the guy that owns tesla he's really a big part of the revolution of the green vehicles coming in right electric cars the same guy if you guys listen to the joe rogan podcast with him talking about putting chips in people's brains this is the same guy that's putting spaceships in into that in space like this guy he's getting real powerful man he's a really innovative guy i know he's done a lot he opened up a lot of patents for other green uh green energy manufacturers and all that but like is elon musk like doing a bit too much and he's getting a bit too powerful so what he's really doing is just utilizing his maximum potential and i think that everyone should strive to do that like he has the boring company which is drilling tunnels underneath la where he's trying to uh make sure that traffic gets better because he saw that as a problem and some people just have the mental capacity which is far greater than ours just to think of these he things does so he's a genius so he he taught himself rocket science and that's how he started SpaceX all the tesla stuff he he worked on uh he started off companies like at a lower level like i wouldn't say lower level but like PayPal and all of these other companies that he sold and then he reinvested in himself so if the guy is working hard and he's continuing to push We need people like that. We need people who are innovators. We need people who are really pushing the standard because without that we're, we're going to be left behind as a society. So it's really good what he's doing and I think that more more power to him because he's also even done uh, a lot of stuff with the solar panels with the solar city I believe it is where uh-huh. he's putting solar panels on uh people's houses and people's buildings for free. So he's creating like a really sustainable way to get energy as well. so all the power to him great job so i would say that people like him we need more of them in our society i think especially when it comes to green cars so like one of the things i'm really passionate about the environment and trying to find a sustainable way forward and with him and the green cars and tesla and trying to make that more affordable like you said with all the solar panels and just making green energy much more affordable like he's really helping with that 
So I'm on, I'm on all board in terms of that. But like the brain chip thing still really has me shook. Like I'm, I'm really not for that. But all the other stuff, you know, when it comes to green energy, you know. So I, I have a theory around the brain brain chip thing. So my theory is that Elon Musk, he wants us to get to Mars or get to a place where we can start another civilization. And I think what he's doing with his brain chip thing is he's thinking in his head, either he can't think about that many things at the same time or the people around him, because it's not just him. There's probably a bunch of scientists and all these people that he's leading with him. So all of those people can't think to that level. So what I think his real like mission in this is, is to like create this brain chip so that people can think at a higher level. So he can actually start to achieve all those things that he's like dreaming of. Like he has like six different companies that we just talked about, but in his head, I'm pretty sure he probably has like 20 other things he wants to do. So he's he's trying to maximize his ability. And the big thing with the, the, the car that you were talking about, like mm-hmm. making solar cars or not yeah. solar cars, electric cars. Before that, we did have electric cars, but they were like goofy looking cars like the Prius, right? No one wanted to drive electric cars, but he made like electric cars cool. So he started off with like a supercar, which is like a super fast car. Then he brought it to like a affordable car, like the Tesla Model 3. So he's done it in stages and he's done a really good job of that. And just knowing that you need to do it in stages is like all I think that's something that he really that. does enjoy doing, like branding the stuff with himself. Like, and this is another thing that speaks to him that he thinks of things at like the smallest level as well. Like, even with the space launch, those uh, first of all, he had like the astronauts come in, the Teslas and whatnot, and uh, designing the ships as well, making them look a little more modern. Even the suits and uh, even the spacesuits. Yeah, yeah. the cool. spacesuits. I think he got somebody from Hollywood, like somebody that designs uh, su- superhero suits or something, costumes. He got them to design it first. And then he like to look like tuxedos or something. And then he got uh, engineers to work around that, to make that costume into a usable suit, like a, like a space suit. Yeah. I just hope a guy like him just stays on the good side, you know, just stays on the helping humanity side, but who knows when it comes to, you know, rich people, what their agendas are, but in, in terms of green energy, yeah, man, he's doing a pretty, pretty big job. The other thing, like just talking about, you're talking about him being a powerful person. So one of the things he's doing now I don't know if you heard is he's selling all of his property. So he's selling all of his big houses and all of that stuff because he's got a lot of criticism about that where people are like, Oh, you're an elitist. I don't know why personally you would give in to that kind of stuff, but he is selling off all his property and he's trying to live a more basic life. And I think one of the reasons is because he felt that he wasn't getting much satisfaction for it and he wasn't really using it as much either. So he wants other people to enjoy that kind of stuff. The stuff that they should Yeah. Yeah. Even when Tesla model three, like it wasn't working out, like he sat, he like lived on the, on the floor of like where the production was happening and he was there, he was sleeping there. So he really is focused and focused on making things like proper and he puts in the work. So moving on. So you guys hear about the, so the NBA is coming back. They got a whole little plan going on and they're all going to be camped up down at Disney world in Orlando. Uh, So what do you, what do you guys think about that? I think it's going to be something people are looking forward to. They've been looking forward for a long time. And uh, especially now that summer is kind of here, people are going outside more before people had sports to look. It's something people look to look forward to look for the games, something they can follow. Now they're finally getting something that they can follow. Right. I found the the scheduling really interesting. So they're going to start uh, July 31st and that's, that's literally going to come up against, like football, which is the biggest sport. So they're really going head to head against football. And the timing is like something that I think that the NBA has been looking to do change their timing. I know they want to get more into the summer period where they can compete against baseball and not have to compete against other sports as much like football. So I think the NBA's major plan, like in the future is to start their season in December or November and really push towards having all the playoffs in the summer and really controlling the market during that time. So I am excited for it to come back, but I think that the NBA is I doing something interesting. I think their format overall, because I know with the East, they pretty much have the eight playoff teams and let Washington in because they were the only team that's really close. And then with the West, you have the eight plus, I think, four more. And the they had the rule where if the nine seeds within four games of the eight seed, you have a play-in tournament. Whereas if the eight seed wins one game of that play-in tournament, 
they move on to the playoffs, but the nine seed would have to win two games, which I really agree with that. They also had the training camp to let them ease into it. And you still have some regular season games to get these players ready. So honestly, if I was to make my own format, I don't know what I'd really change from this, right? When they, we'll get to see how well this really works. But well, I think overall, they did a really good job. We get some sports back. I think it will be weird not having fans in the arena. Maybe they'll try to play around with having fake fan noise. I think a lot of European leagues have been doing that. For the players, that probably feels really weird. But watching the games, that you still get that like fan feeling with all the noise, even though they're not there. So, yeah, overall, I think they did a pretty good job. I think they should mic up the players and then we can like hear exactly what they're saying. So like that's like you would hear them like swearing at each other. You would hear them like yelling at each other, yelling at their teammates and talking. I think that would add so much to the experience as a fan. Like that's one thing that happened with the UFC when there was no fans is like you could hear the coaches talking to the fighters. You could hear everything. You could hear the fighters. So it's like it adds so much to it because you can like actually hear this is like really an, only an experience that people Pretty sitting much. courtside usually get, right? I think some of the players, they might hold back a bit because, like, you know, me playing some sports myself, like I wouldn't really want someone listening to everything I say on the field, right? And uh, even if someone was, I might hold back. Not that I said anything crazy, you know, but when, the heat, when you're, you're playing against someone, you know, there's a lot of trash talk. And even not the fact that, you know, I was a big trash talker, but just like, you know, other people talk. I think it takes away from the game, right? Even it takes away from communication with your teammate. So as a fan, that would be nice. But being a, like a former player myself, like I, I wouldn't really want that for myself. The one thing to also think about that's going to come out of this is what's going to be the next super team. So anytime these NBA players get together, like if it's USA basketball or the all-star game, they always like, they always start talking to each other. And if they're living on the same campus, you're going to see who's like hanging out with each other. And then these super teams are going to merge. A lot of super teams are probably going to merge from this. There's going to be a lot of collusion. Or whenever he's a free agent. Yeah. Go get him. I think that's real. I think that's a realistic possibility. Giannis coming down, he has ties with Masai, you know, so it's also a good team. We got everything set up. We're going to get Giannis and then we're going to get Kawhi again because they're both free agents in the same year. Who would you Kawhi rather have Giannis, Kawhi Giannis. 2021? 100%. 100%. Come back home, Kawhi. Come back home. Kawhi, oh, Kawhi delivers. That's that like one of the best years of my life. Just Kawhi Leonard. Oh, my God. Thank I've you been for wa- Jeremy Lin, especially. I've been watching some of the games yeah. or like over again because I got them on DVD and it's just like quiet just when he wants to go off and he I like he's so injured in that playoff series like we haven't really seen him healthy like he's so injured in the playoffs but like when he wants to go off he just picks yeah. his like at his own speed and, like no one can stop him and and at de- and defensively clamps, like when he wants clamps, to take the ball away from you nothing. there's nothing you can do it's, it's just man, that claw. like watching that raptors playoff run last year and you know i've been a raptors fan since like you know really really long time right like back when rosho nistirovich was like a starting center and seeing Kawhi leonard and the raptors do what they did in that playoff run really made up for a lot of years of pain that i suffered as a kid a lot of trauma that i suffered as a raptors fan so thank you Kawhi. and it just wasn't Kawhi. you know a lot of people say oh it's all co-. no you know Thank you to the entire Raptors organization for giving me that as a Raptors fan, which I thought I would have never gotten to see maybe in my 40s, 50s. So thank you, the Toronto Raptors. And uh, thank you to Jody Meeks for those quality minutes you provided us. I bricked every three, man. I thought we would have hit a couple, but damn, Jody Meeks. I actually think the Ra- Raptors have a pretty decent chance in this, si- you can't in count this them style up. tournament you can't as count well, especially ever. like... With Nick Nurse as the coach, Nick Nurse is like built for these moments, like the moments like where you need adjustments and like you're playing like yeah. these tournament style games. Like Nick Nurse is the perfect coach for this, so he'll he'll be ready. He'll have a system created, and he'll be ready. You have to a go finals experience roster, man. You got Kyle Lowry's leader. You got Siakam. You still got Gasol. You still got Ibaka. You still got Van Vliet. You got Norm Powell. You got OG. All these guys are developing. Chris Boucher, our boy TD, Terrence Davis having a career year, right? And this is first year as a rookie, right? Like having a, you know what I mean? Like having a career year as a rookie, yeah. obviously, is going to get better, but. Man, like these Raptors, compared to the Raptors when I was a kid, man, like our norm was blowing leads. Like you're top 20, you're still not happy. Now when the Raptors are even down 15, I'm happy. I'm good because I know they're going to make a game out of it no matter what happens. It's that championship mentality, right? Like once you won that championship, you have that confidence. Like 100%. even as a fan, I have that confidence. Like like uh, anything in life, I'm down. I, I have that championship mentality. I see Kyle Lowry pull champion. up from 40 feet on a fast break with 20 seconds to go on the shot clock. I'm all for it, man, because he, he'll make that. He'll make that. All kinds of crazy stuff, but yeah, man, it was a good. It was a good summer last year. Good time, twenty nineteen champions. Probably the best year. Yeah, it was the best year. It was ever. Amazing time. Go Raptors, go! Jaskier also became a super fan. Care to all the boys. He went to like every playoff game. I heard he was in the Jurassic Park, just going buck wild. 
Watch out, Nav Partia. Yeah, it was crazy. They, they, this guy was going wild in the square. I didn't. I couldn't even go to that many games in the square. I was busy. This guy's there, man. He's going crazy. Holy shit! The security guys didn't like me. They always. Oh, they patted down. Go to we India. Le bhai se ke fear we yaar talashi ki thi saade bhai di. Pata nahi ki kya thi. But they're like, I think I just go labna hai yaar. Yeah, I was joking. Labna hai. Koi chhina. I was like, bhai, changi tarah kare ho talashi. The they actually started feeling him up properly. I was like, whoa. Was like, the three of them. The, the, three of them just started going. Yeah, they, they, normally I'm the one that always security guards kind of grill me down and stuff, man. But like, nah, they they got just scared good. It's it's yeah. that power trip, you know. They're Even told him he's gonna find something off of you, buddy. Just you say what? But at the same time, there, there's a bunch of buys there that they're kind of like uh, places were blocked off. They'd be like, "Go in, go in, wait, don't langija, langija, langija." And those security ones, langadin. The real buys, the good buys, especially in especially in Toronto, all, all the security guards yeah. are buys. The boys, Punjabi, like, they, they, they run, they run the business. All right, guys. So let's take a break, and when we come back from the break, we're gonna go shift into a more of a serious topic. We're gonna talk about the serious events that have taken a place across the United States, as well as parts of Canada and across probably parts of the world, where we're seeing lots of protests, lots of riots, lots of looting continuing from last week. So a lot more stuff has come out. A lot more stuff is. Out in the open, we're gonna take a look back at some of the topics we talked about last week, and then expand on those. So enjoy the break, and we'll see you guys in a bit. Welcome back from the break. So this week, a lot of the same stuff that we saw last week continued, and for me, it was something that like was magnified because originally, like personally, I thought that yeah, there was some. There's a few bad apples in the police departments. Yeah, maybe it was one percent of the people. Because in my life, I haven't really, I've been fortunate enough not to really have a bad experience with a police officer. So I'm very thankful for that. And I thought that that was the case for most people. But from the videos that we're seeing, like there's so many videos out there that are coming out of like peaceful protesters, older people, women, children that are just getting like knocked out, beat up by police officers now. And the the incident that originally happened with George Floyd where he was killed was a really really tragic situation and it was really hard to see but now what's happening with police officers knowing that they're being filmed and knowing that they're on camera and still carrying out these acts i think that that's like something that's just super disturbing because they know they're being filmed and what are the, what are the things they're doing when they're not filmed and how big is this problem like now i'm starting to think that maybe 20 to 30% or maybe even up to 40% of the police officers there aren't in a position where they should be a police officer because they are really using their badge and to they're really using their badge in a bad way and they're really using their power in a bad way and i started looking into this during the week and i started looking at different things in terms of all the protections that police officers are offered as well right so police officers if they ever feel like they're in danger they they have the right to pretty much do anything and it's pretty much a license to kill and looking at that it was like very disturbing it's because even someone standing on the sidewalk they can just make the case that they they felt in danger so that for me was something that it stuck with me this whole week along with the events that happened in 1984 uh, reflecting on that so both of those things have been really heavily weighing in on me and i'm pretty sure for you guys it's been the same i know uh, we'll talk about it a bit uh, later on but the whole instagram blocking the sick hashtag as well so that was big news this week so both of those are probably the biggest uh, things that are going on recently now so uh, how do you guys feel about these So when it comes down to like the abuse from the police, right? Like a lot of people last week talking about, oh, these are violent protests. You guys need to peacefully protest. That's what's going to get this done. But these cops are coming to peaceful protest with rubber bullets, with weapons, with every intention to make that peaceful protest into a violent one from their side, right? So as one example with the tear gas. So tear gas is something that is banned in use of war. It's a war crime. I think of the Geneva Protocol of 1925. So this has been something that has been banned from being used in war for almost a hundred years, and the police force, the government decides to use this on their own citizens, right? It's the same police force, the same military that's supposed to protect you from others, and they're using the same, of same weapon against you, right? So like, and that's something that, you know, tear gas has isn't been something that's just started, right? This isn't a new phenomenon, but I just wanted to kind of point that out where this is a war crime, but. is still being used against citizens just the overall police just beating the hell out of citizens across the board violent peaceful or not uh example live in Atlanta there's two students who were just driving by the protest two cops just get the they start breaking the windows they tase the student and the cops said oh i thought he had a gun 
well, you don't have any information. There was no, that he had a gun. There was no intel that you had a gun. There was no indication that he had a gun. But for him being black, you thought he had a gun. And what does he get for that? He gets tased. His girlfriend got dragged out of there. Since then, I think those six police officers have been charged. Um, they've been, I think, fired. I don't know exactly the extent of those. But pretty much the big picture here, like, this is something that we thought we might see the cops scaling back. I don't know. I didn't really think that. Some people might have. But just them seeing. And they're, they're not... They're not sparing anybody. In Buffalo, we saw an old white male, right? Not even a black male, a white male getting pushed back. And what the police report said was that he fell. But again, thanks to video, thanks to people recording, it, it wasn't him falling. Two police officers pushed him back and he had blood coming out of his ear. Like these guys are sparing nobody. For them, it's a us against everybody mentality and when they're supposed to protect the people, right? But this, in this instance, it doesn't seem like they're protecting at all. In this instance, it's about the police versus everybody and not just everybody. It's, a, it's, it's against black people, against minorities. And we're really seeing the true colors of the police department. I think that there is like, th that's a really good point that you make. And it's like highlighting just the amount of brutality that's coming from the police force. And I think if we hadn't seen this, we wouldn't really know how bad it was. Like people that yeah. deal with this situation day to day, they know how bad it is, but now everyone's starting to know how bad it is. And now we can actually have serious change because we're actually seeing it. And it's like the true colors are coming out. And that's, that's something that I think hopefully we get take like positive things because I don't think that the law should apply the same way to the police officers as it does to civilians, right? So like in the military, they have military law and the military person, they're held to a different standard. They're held to a different way where they, they, uh, if they do a crime, they are judged in their own set of like law instead of court where I think police officers should probably have the same thing. So in the court of law, the system is really set up in the US. It's about getting reasonable doubt. So it's proving someone guilty beyond reasonable doubt, which is something that's very hard to do. Even with video and all of this other stuff, it's very hard to do. And all the all the defendant really needs to do is prove reasonable doubt. So if he can prove that this guy or in George Floyd's case, if they can prove something like George Floyd uh, made them feel a certain way, they can prove reasonable doubt and they can get off. And that's why a lot of police officers get off and they really shouldn't be held to that standard. They should be held to a higher standard. Like you're talking about the protesters, right? Everyone, all the protesters, they're, they're expected to stay calm and relaxed. Well, the police officers don't have that same expectation. The police officers are literally freaking out yeah. when you look at the videos. Like anyone makes a slight movement, they're freaking out. And like to your point about the tear gas and the rubber bullets, those rubber bullets are meant to be shot at the pavement. And then they're supposed to just be used to scatter people. They're not supposed to be used to right shoot at face, people right directly, ahead, yeah. especially at short ranges. Like people are losing their eyes. People are like getting seriously injured. It's kind of like getting like a slap shot from like a hockey player or like getting a baseball thrown at like 95 miles an hour at your face. Like that stuff hurts, right? It might be non-lethal, but it's still like doing so much damage and it's still really hurting people. And people have died from the tear gas and people have gotten blind from that. So it's really abuse of power. And it's also, I don't know if these guys don't have good training or they're just like, they're just going out there and they're just doing this stuff knowing that they shouldn't be doing it. Yeah, even uh, so like pretty much going off your thing about even like the cops, even with the Tennessee case with George Floyd, this wasn't the first case. This wasn't the last case, right? Even uh, I was reading up some on some things about the Tennessee City Council. And this wasn't the first killing. The police department have been investigated for multiple killings in the past. If you, if you guys see in the news right now, the city council is trying to pretty much disband the police department. And this isn't saying that they're not going to have anybody in its place. They're trying to come up with a solution where you can have community-based approach, where you can still have somebody to overlook. Because at the end of the day, a community does need some form of oversight. We have very dangerous people in the society, right? That those in society needs to be protected from those type of people. But right now, the police force that we have right now isn't the answer. That's pretty interesting to see with the Tennessee City Council. And just overall, like if, if like Deke said in last week's uh, podcast, if there is no video, right? who knows what happens and what about all the countless cases in the past where there have been no video and the cops pretty much have free reign like there is they're, they're not held accountable right these cops pretty much have their own police state going on where they're the judge jury and the executioner in some cases you know all they got to say oh yeah i felt threatened so it was justified for you to use use the force that you did but like if you don't have cameras recording that man like they, they get away with whatever they want I know that you're not saying that we should disband the police, but I know that there are people out there that do believe that we would probably be better off without I police. Think, 
I think the police department as is, like the police force as is the system that needs to be disbanded, but there has to be something in place of that, a much better solution where we, the society is still held safe from dangerous people, real dangerous people, not people of color, not minorities, the real dangerous people. I, and I agree with that. And I still think there are some very good police officers out there. Like personally, I haven't dealt with any bad police officers. Like I mentioned, I don't know if any of you guys have, but I know there are people that have dealt with really, really bad and evil police officers who are using their power and abusing their power. Right. So there is a lot of that, but again, if we don't have some level of police and I I agree with you, we need to get rid of the bad. We need to get rid of the bad, but if we don't have some level of police, we're going to have something worse. Right. So that's something you also have to think about. You're going to have like thugs, gangs, all of this stuff, people like going rampant pretty much. It's going to be like the wild West all over again. I think one thing that's really important is to have a strong sense of community, especially all these like uh, smaller communities and groups. They should have a much stronger sense of a community where they can trust one another and some sort of system in place where they can implement things or there should be some programs there that help the community in resolving issues, resolving other things, have programs for education, kind of develop and nurture the community so that it is a better community, right? These kind of things also... To kind of compare, maybe it could be kind of like, you know, in India, we kind of panchayat system or a system that says that police don't have to deal with it first. They say that they have to deal with it first. They have to deal with it first. So have, have some, yeah. something like that, some sort of sense of community can maybe help in some aspects. But like, I do agree that you, you do need something in place that people can go to. But like looking at this system, like that there, I think there was like a 911 recording, like somebody's calling them that the police is attacking us like like who do you, who do you go to when the when the people that are supposed to keep you safe are attacking you right totally and the other thing that i wanted to just highlight is going back to the george floyd case so there's a lot of new information coming out and it's going to be sad that the four officers were arrested but i don't think that they're going to be able to convict at least two of them so at least two of them are going to get off for this and the two officers are the two officers that were holding down george floyd while uh the officer Chavez was putting his knee on his neck. And the reason for that is because they had, I was reading that they only had three days of experience. Chavez was actually the officer that was training them. So they're getting trained by a guy who has 17 counts uh, of misconduct where people have filed complaints against him. That's something that the police department needs to look into is like, why are you getting this guy? First of all, why is this guy on the police force? And then the second thing is, why are you getting this guy to train people? And he's going to train them the same way that he's like, he's done it his whole career. So why are you getting people to be trained by this guy? So I think those two officers are probably going to get off just based on they're going to say that they were just listening to what the officer training them was doing. And I don't think that's right because there was other people and they are police officers. They know, they should know what's going to kill someone. And there was people like that were filming and they were saying that you're killing this guy. Even he was saying, I can't breathe. And at a certain point, it's your human responsibility to step up and say that, Hey, this is wrong. This is not right. You're killing the guy. This is not what we should be doing. So I think that they should get some kind of charge, but Unfortunately, they're well, probably the same way that off. the state pretty much tries to make an example of criminals by giving very harsh sentences for some things, right? America is much more harsh on criminal on criminals than you know uh, Canada is. But going back to the main point, so pretty much the way that the state tries to make an example of these criminals giving harsh sentences, the way that jails are used, right? Instead of rehabilitating, you're punishing. Right. And you're trying to remind people that if you guys break the law, this is going to happen. Right. Well, if you want to have that same energy towards the people, you don't have that energy towards the people. You better have the same energy towards those police officers. Those police officers better be made an example of that. If you do this kind of racist stuff, if you are killing black men in broad daylight, innocent black men in broad daylight, example needs to be made of those guys. They need to be pressed to the fullest extent of the law. Will that happen? Who knows, right? The system isn't really for black men. The system isn't for minorities. So is that going to happen? I don't know. I hope it does. But example needs to be made of these guys. Totally. And you make a really good point about the jail system. Like Bernie Sanders, he tweeted out the other day. I think Bernie's been a bit quiet in this, but I think he he made a really good point yesterday uh, about there's $80 billion a year going towards the jail system. And that's money. $80 billion is a lot of money. That's money that we could be building communities with. We can be building safer communities, building jobs, giving people employment. And that's a lot of money that we can use to build up these people that we've oppressed like 
over time. It's like we're seeing like companies and government step up a little bit, right? But it's like $10 million, $40 million. I think Nike pledged $40 million over four years, which is like $10 million a year, which is like nothing. So there, there are companies that are stepping up, but it's not nothing serious. Like if you really want to rebuild these communities and give them a fair shot, give them a good education, you got to use that money. Like we can't just be spending $80 billion on the jail system. And really the jail system is set up yeah, as the a prison business, industrial complex. Right? Yeah. 13th, uh, yeah. the documentary on Netflix talks about that a lot, right? So we're spending so much money on those things. $80 billion is enough to pay for probably everyone's education. If you look at it, like if you were to break it down, people that can't afford schools, that's probably enough to pay for that. And what are we doing with, what are our priorities and what are we doing as a society? And we should really be looking at that and we should be looking at structural Even if you look at well, who's being that. affected by this police state, right? It's, it's people of color, as black men. I don't know if you guys saw DeAndre Hopkins came out this week and said why he wears the number 10. So for those of you guys that don't watch sports or don't know who DeAndre Hopkins is, he's NFL, he's a wide receiver for the Arizona Cardinals. Huge wide receiver, one of the best wide receivers. Not that any of that matters, but pretty much he wears number 10 because one of his friends got caught with $600 worth of drugs and he got 10 years in jail. 10 years in jail for $600 worth of drugs. Now, yeah. if that's a white guy, how, 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 many, how many years in jail does he get? Does he get written off? Like, just because that's a black man, 10 years in jail. And now when he comes out of jail, he has a criminal record. Is he going to get a job? And that's 10 years of his life that he missed out on. It goes back to what we talked about last week in terms of like the court system, right? Not having a good lawyer, you don't have the same level of justice, right? No. So not everyone no. has the same level of justice. People, people, if you can't afford a good lawyer, you're not getting a fair trial. And that just goes back to your point about what would happen to a white guy, right? The good example of this is Jeffrey Epstein. Jeffrey Epstein ran a like a whole pedophile ring where in the documentaries out on Netflix, where he ran a whole pedophile ring, he was abusing underage women uh, and creating like basically a whole like scheme where he could funnel in girls and have people and all of this stuff and like horrible crimes. And what was his punishment? His punishment was he was like, he went to jail. He went to jail like one day a week. And then the other six days he was allowed to go to his office and work there. And like his jail was like really like a country club and like, really even worse than a slap on the wrist i don't even know joke. what to call it like it's it's, a joke. it's it's a joke like guys like that should have been in jail for life and they should have never like even had a chance and whereas a guy with six hundred dollars in drugs is getting 10 years i don't even think that the cops that did this no, crime were going to get 10 years i'm going to be honest with you and it's really unfortunate that that's going to happen and it's going to happen and we should be prepared for it because that's just the justice system and the justice system, again, we shouldn't be really upset with the fact that there should be reasonable doubt because I think that in every case there should be reasonable doubt and that mm -hmm. is to protect the people. But again, talking at this point, uh, the police should be held to a different standard. They should have a different kind of law similar to how the military uh, is I think held. They obviously with the whole topic of the reform of the justice system about the prison system, um, punishment versus rehab, that's a huge topic. You know, that's not something that we can really get into today. You know, you could have, you know, you could have whole episodes and episodes and episodes on that. That's, that's such a huge topic, but you know, that that's a big part of it, right? Like, whereas you're punishing people for whatever petty crime that they commit and not just punishing people, punishing disproportionately punishing people of color for crimes. And you're, there's no rehabilitation process that's involved. You pretty much throw them in jail. Then they come out how many ever years later and they, you expect them to be a better man, right? Like you expect people to learn by the stick. You know, sometimes you got to have rehab. That, that's the way forward. You can't just throw people in jail. You can't have the three strikes rule where boom, you're out. And especially in a system where the police have disproportionate power, right? Whereas we said many times, if there isn't cameras recording these guys, they're doing all kinds of crazy shit that they're not getting caught for. And that's just, it's going to continue to be that way unless we change. And you know, with the Tennessee city council announcing what they're doing, I hope that's the beginning of something new. I hope that that catches on. But the Tennessee city council has tried in the past to reform the police department, to reform the police department, but it hasn't worked because the power that the police department has. So hopefully this is the beginning of something new, but you know, I'll believe it when it happens. It's also like we talked about this last week. It's a, the big reason change can happen is these police unions, right? And the, how they cover up for all their police officers, no matter what a police officer does, 
they cover up for it and they they send the best lawyers they send the best guys to protect these guys because they know that if one of them goes down the rest of them might go down the next time right so they really fight hard to make sure that no one is convicted and no one goes to jail so those those unions I, and i am for unions and i'm for all of that 100%. stuff where but there is a there is definitely a negative side to them there is a side where there's a side where people mm-hmm. can't look fairly at the situation and judge it fairly and i think that's a huge problem i think also it goes down to the police uh, like their morals and values as well that the biggest thing for the police is to protect and serve but the police really has to question who are they trying to protect and who are they trying to serve are they really like for the people are they really out there to protect the people are they by the people are they for the people like these are questions that the police really needs to ponder on and evaluate like what are they doing where are they going wrong and if their main moral is to protect and serve how are they completing that what are they doing for people so that's a really good point i was actually listening to this show called the rising this week and they talked about that so police officers like the police department their number one focus right now is no dead cops right so that's how most police officer police departments are focused is like let's make sure none of our cops none of the police officers get hurt right and that's where you see the actions that are happening right so if it was the other way around where it's let's protect and serve our community like you said there would be a different approach and there would be a different way to look at it yeah the job would become more dangerous for police officers because they're not automatically using force at first like site that they need to use it it would become more dangerous for them but they would have to use other skills they would have to use their voice they would have to use other things to make the situation better and i think that that's the approach that we need to take also we see that uh, with the like you're saying should we protect them or like what should the the question the police force should be asking themselves is like who are we protecting but we see they're clearly not doing that right we see mm-hmm. that with the militarization of the police with their abuse with so much force they use there's studies out there that show with like with the with this power with this militarization there's more distance between the people and the police right as you increase the police like as as we've been increasing the power that the police has over the people it's been creating that distance where the people don't trust the police and the police don't trust the people and that's what's causing such a rift between everything and it's creating these big divides couple that with all the abuse like this abusive cops there are bad cops there racism. are right racism yeah. so many other things it leads to the whole system failing what we're seeing right now yeah happening in the states So the other big thing that happened this week was uh Instagram banning uh the sick hashtag. I think that was really big news for all of us. And Instagram they've later come out and they've said that this was a mistake. They're looking into it. They don't know how it happened, but for a while Instagram had blacked out the sick hashtag so no one could see what was going on with that. And a lot of people were posting about 1984. They were posting a lot of stuff related to that. and if you don't know what happened in 1984 there's a uh, operation blue star as well as other events that followed where the indian military came in and with guns and tanks and they they pretty much destroyed the kaltak as well as other parts of the complex and killed many innocent lives yeah. innocent people in that operation as well as after the fact where the punjab police literally went and hunted down six so thousands and thousands of six were killed in 1984 as well as the few years following that so it is a really tragic time for six and for us that being blocked and having our voice blocked was something that really was hurtful for everyone so i know that it was really shocking to me and to the point where i was like i'm not going to if this isn't fixed right away and if this isn't removed and if instagram doesn't come with an apology i'm going to yeah. stop using instagram and most most of this page and whatever we do with this and sing strength are both on instagram but i was willing to let that go because it's that was just such a big invasion of freedom of speech and such a big invasion of ha- your rights so i think that once we figure out what happened we'll be able to talk more about it but i it was really shocking it's surprising that this happened for it's been happening for 3 months i think it was like march 7th or something since the hashtag had been down so surprising that nobody saw this for so long but it really does speak to the power of the people and the power of the community that once they once we did figure out there was lots of tweets on uh, on twitter instagram facebook and there were like sick engineers in like facebook and instagram and stuff that were uh, that started looking into it and uh, i don't think it took too long it was i think it was probably a few hours or so that uh, the issue got resolved and everything and then instagram came out with a statement 
but even beyond just the sick hashtag we see with other hashtags about 1984 and other stuff like that they also have been like getting suppressed and like information that we're trying to put out there regarding 1984 regarding what the government has done to us right that stuff gets suppressed anything like we post on twitter and all that other stuff it gets flooded by bots and like these companies they they say that oh we're for the people or whatever right but they like other hashtags are out there they let them be when it's white supremacist hashtags oh we have to protect freedom of speech right but when it's our like when it's we want to show our side like what happened to us then like no they're getting suppressed i think when it comes to the hashtag what a lot of people got to realize is this is you know a, a more than just the hashtag right like opening punjabi six even coming to the united states united kingdom canada wherever right the diaspora why is there such a big sick population in the diaspora right with the falling events in 1984 it just wasn't safe for us to stay back home right and that's something as six like what is our home right back in punjab we weren't safe you know, we come to a different country in Canada, which is really isn't our country. We're not indigenous to this land either. And the racism and backlash that we face here, you have Bill 21 that's affecting our country, right? You have the Liberal Party labeling six as threats to Canada's national security. It's it's very traumatic as a sick, right? Like we don't really have anywhere we belong and everywhere we go, we constantly face oppression, right? And this isn't anything new for us, right? Like for six, we've been facing oppression throughout history. So I'm not saying that, Oh, you know, feel bad for us. I'm just saying as a sick, this is very traumatic experience, right? And something as small as a hashtag just adds to that. Our people continue to be oppressed and marginalized no matter where we go. I do think our people, one thing that we did do really well is we, I, I know that this might not be our land, but wherever we go, we make that community better. We add to the community. We add value to the community. The people in our community, like people in the community who aren't six, they always like look at six. They're like, wow, these guys are doing such a great job. And Khalsa Aid's a great example of this. Whenever there's a natural disaster, especially in like England or in Canada, they always step up and we always get national recognition. Like even in Canada during COVID, they've been going to hospitals, feeding nurses, feeding people. They've been stepping up and six have stepped up everywhere because we we have that community like feeling where it is our duty to do well in the community i think that mindset has really given us a lot of positive stuff as well so it might not be our native land wherever we are if we're outside of punjab but at the same time we've made it a special place for us and everyone in our community does recognize us and for the most part i would say that most people treat us fairly in a good way and there are obviously racist people around but we have done a really good job and most people have been very fair to us. What's really like interesting about that is like in these communities outside in the diaspora, right? UK, Canada, America, we have been doing well. The Punjabis especially have been thriving, right? But if we look back in India still, it's not good at all, right? The treatment we're getting in India is nothing compared to what these countries are, are in the diaspora as like the sick diaspora have given us and it's that like disparity between it and thinking about it until this day is still pretty and that's a really big point about why six outside of india have to raise their voice right because six in india don't really have a voice and that's why when we come out first thing we do is we we let people know who we are we're hard working we work hard we're hard working we work hard we create businesses we create jobs we're good in the environment we feed people free food for everyone at every time and when people start to like learn us or become friends with us they're like wow these people are really cool like what's going on with them and then they start to also realize that yeah, they've been oppressed by their country. And there's a lot of credibility that comes to our story, right? When we're seeing the story told from an Indian perspective in India, we really don't have any credibility because the people in the Western world are just taking the story from India and that's going to be their story over our story, right? But when we can come out here, when we can come to other places, we can start to tell our story with credibility because then they know who we are, right? They can't just say we're some extremist radicals with weapons. They know we have weapons all the time. We have Karpana all the time. We don't use our Karpana unless we need to, right? Like, that's just who we are. And that's our right. And a lot of Americans agree with that as well, with the Second Amendment, right? So we are Shastatari and we are these people. And looking at us from a different country and far away, you might think this, this, and this. But when you get to know us, we can tell our own story. And that's why it's really important to be as friendly as possible with as many people as possible. Because every time you go out, every time you meet someone, 
you are a reflection of sex, right? You're a reflection of your community. So you have to put that's on a good face, That's one thing I'm really right? proud of our community. Like no matter what we face, we always come together. We always mobilize, whether that's issues in Punjab, whether that's issues in Canada. We have organizations that represent us. We have the Gravi Singh Cause, a huge shout out to him, all the amazing work that he does. We have the WSO in Canada that, that represent a lot of Sikhs legally that, you know, can't either afford the legal aid or, and they bring a lot of issues. Like the fact that we can wear a karpan on a flight, like I never, ever thought in my wildest dreams, we'd have that right. You know, even aside from that, all the amazing work that the WSO does, just amazing work, huge shout out to the guys at the World Sick Organization. And just, you know, just shout out to Sick overall. Like we just, we were very oppressed, very marginalized people. But despite that, we continue to come together and we stay strong. I'll tell you, like me personally, one of the things is I'm just so ignorant and arrogant that I don't let racism get to me. And like, I, I'm not talking about it. I'm not talking about like everyone at, at like the total level, right? Like I understand racism happens and it affects people differently. But for me, myself personally, if someone's being racist to me, I just, I don't care about it. And I think that that's a lot of, a, that's the approach that my dad has. That's the approach that other people have. It's that move forward, move through the, the, the bullshit kind of approach. But that's not the right thing, right? You yeah. should always stand up for your rights. But at a, at a certain point on a day-to-day level, if you have that kind of approach, you will get further and you will be able to uh, tell your story when your time is right. So that's important, telling your story when the time is right as well. I think uh, with our parents' generation, that was the case with most of them because they came to this new land and like they're just like trying to get their work done, get their money made, make a better life for themselves and not really interfere with anyone else and like mm-hmm. not create much drama with any other community or with any other political stuff. Like for sm- some stuff, of course, with the Karpan and stuff, yeah. we of course, we wanted our rights, like, right? But like in general, not create too much drama either. But this generation, we're born here and we realize like these rights aren't like something that are given to us all like yes they've, they've been given to us we deserve it's them, so yeah. crazy these are rights that we should just have and that's why our this generation really fights for everything and, and is very vocal for what we should be doing and how we shouldn't be oppressed how we should get the rights we deserve yeah. how bill 21 is crazy and shouldn't be there right and we fight against these like yeah. stupid ass systems that a, are there a lot of that comes though from the financial stability that our parents worked really hard for right if we didn't have that financial stability we wouldn't have that education. And that's one thing that all of our parents, all the people that I know, their parents have really pushed education on them. So their parents have worked hard. They've worked in factories. They've done whatever they need to do. They pretty much like been a generation where like, we're going to just sacrifice for the next generations and how much they've given is like, is pretty much incredible. They came here looking for a better life and they came here and made that life and they made it a reality. And now it's our job to take it to the next level. It's our job to fight for those rights because they've given us a platform to do so. They've got us educations. They've got us really what we need to do to take us, take ourselves to the next level. And we're really seeing that. Like, I don't know if I would ever imagine that a Sikh would be a leader in a major political party, right? Like a federal leader in a major party. We have ministers, we have politicians all over the place. What we need now is more of a lobby where we can push a lot of stuff, work in the background. We need that, but we've done really well and we should be very proud of it. And for the most part, we're only second generation Canadians. A lot of that also uh, relating back to my point before about the sense of community, a lot of our tarakki and our success came from that sense of community as well. Like all our parents, each and every one has their own personal story. It's very similar. They're all very similar, like coming here with probably nothing. And everybody did some sort of like some, some like different types of struggles to get where they are today. But back then, they either families, a bunch of families lived together uh car- carpooling getting to places together finding each other jobs finding each other uh, like a new home a car babysitting each other's kids like gurdwara were especially like a, a big part as well like a longer having uh having some sort of like a community sense where people can meet people can find new things people can help each other grow so like that's an example of like where our community like they came to this new place and then they were able to establish a sense of community and use that to build their success So that's a really good point that you make there. And another point to that, to add to that is that we spend a lot of money inside of our community as well. And that's really big for our community. And we even see that in the Jewish community. It's like, how far do you, does a dollar go inside your own community? And when we're getting anything fixed, when we're getting renovations done, when we're getting anything done, we try to focus and try to find Punjabi people to do it. 
And a lot of us are entrepreneurial. So we have a lot of our own businesses. So if I need help in my business in one aspect, I'm going to go to a Punjabi person. And when they need help, they're going to come to me. So we have that sense of community and the sense of spending the money inside your community, which has really took it. I think another far. thing is like the fact that our parents did a lot of the heavy lifting for us. Like we're privileged enough to the fact that we can even have this podcast. We're privileged, privileged enough that we don't really got to work, worry about having a roof over our head. Like a lot of our parents came to Canada with nothing in their pocket and our parents working the truck driving jobs, working in the factories, working long, long, long hours. Like I know uncles that used to be six days on the road, long haul, and they'd be home for a night. That's the only time they got to see their kid and they'd be back out, you know, and just because they got to make ends meet. Of course, they want to see their kids, but they got to be able to provide for their kids and their family and doing that for years and years and years on end, man. So they shout out to her parents for just everything they did, man, top to bottom. And, you know, just not our parents, like just the immigrant struggle in general. Right. Yeah. And if you even break it down, like financially, right, like the life that we like live is just because of how much savings they did and the sacrifices, like just Gita said, they're willing to make, right? Like I know people that I work with personally that have made over a hundred thousand dollars for 15 years and still don't own a house. Right. Whereas our people, they might be making half that money, but they're spending a lot less. They're not going on vacations. How many times have your parents been on vacation other than India? Right. So, they're not going, they're not going on vacations. They're not doing all of that stuff that we care about. They're not having hundred dollar dinners every week. They're, they're literally sacrificing and saving every single like cent that they can. And they're making their like every single cent worth it so that they can give us this life. So really big thanks to all of our parents, everyone else out there who really took these sacrifices and really made the best life for us and the best life for our community because they laid down these foundations so that we can have a voice. All right, guys. So that concludes the end of episode five. I can't believe we made it to five episodes, but thank you for listening. Thank you guys for liking and subscribing. Please also follow us on all the platforms. That really helps us out. That really helps us know how we're doing as well. So follow us on all the platforms. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with your friends. Please share it with your family. And thank you again for listening. And have a great day.